Now, if you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Mark, chapter number 7. Mark, chapter number 7. We're looking towards the end of the chapter. We'll pick up reading tonight in verse number 31. For some time now, we have been preaching treasures from the book of Mark. Mark, chapter 7, verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came under the sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto them, Ethekta. That is, be open. And straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. There's a phrase there in verse 37 I think God would have us think about tonight. Right in the middle of the verse, He hath done all things well. <laughs> Amen tonight. Now when you started this chapter as we were studying, the Pharisees and the scribes have come from Jerusalem. And verse 2 of the chapter says they've come to find fault with Jesus. And sure enough, they started looking but couldn't find fault with Jesus but found fault with his disciples. They said, Jesus, your disciples are eating with unwashing hands. In fact, the Bible says that uh, they said they were defiled hands. That t tells me they were ceremonially unclean. Uh, the uh, Pharisees had this book that they comprised that said how many ounces of water you should wash with and how long you should scrub. And the, Pharise the Pharisees have seen the disciples and man, they said they've not washed like they should have. They've not been purified. They're unclean. They're defiled. They've got unwashing hands. And, and they tried to shut Jesus' ministry there down. But Jesus said to them in verse 6, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Uh, they could not hear the truth that Jesus was preaching and teaching. Amen. And so Jesus walks away from Israel. In verse 24, he heads to the coastal area of called Tyre and Sidon. So he's in Israel. He's dealing with the Jews. But he steps away from the Jews in Israel and goes to Tyre and Sidon where the Gentiles live. And the Bible says he went into a house. He's withdrawing himself strategically from those who've rejected him. He came into his own and his own received him not. He goes into a house, but the Bible says Jesus could not be hid. Can I get an amen? You can't hide him, amen. If you've got him, he'll get out on you, amen. And while he was there, a Sypher Phoenician woman, a Gentile, a Canaanite woman, one without a husband, or at least it's not mentioned. She came and said, my, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. 
And, and the Lord said, listen, I'm not sin, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And that Gentile woman heard what he said to her and she fell down and worshipped him. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She said, I'm not worthy that I could get a whole loaf off the master's table. But if you'd just give me a few of the children's crumbs, it'd be more than enough to cure my daughter and help my soul. And Jesus said, go thy way, uh, woman, great is your faith. And when she left, when she got home, she found her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Amen. Jesus leaves Tyre and Sidon and the Bible says in verse 31 that he's departed from the coast of Tyre and Sidon and he came under the sea of Galilee and through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. Number one tonight, I want us to think about the man and his condition. The man and his condition. Jesus leaves Tyre and Sidon. He, uh, if, you, if you route that on a map, you're going to notice he's traveled about 120 miles and he does not have a Cadillac. Say amen. And he's on purpose not heading back to where the Jews are because in Galilee they're stirred up. They're ready to crucify him prematurely, may I say. And he says, I'll just head up back to Decapolis. The word deca, the, 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 the beginning of the word Decapolis, deca means ten. It is a Gentile number. It stands for government. It is uh, ten cities that are in confederacy. And Jesus goes through that area. He's been there before. You remember when he was there in Mark chapter 5? Uh, he got there off the boat in the land of the Gadarenes and there was a man by the name of Legion that was cutting himself and flipping over the tombstones. And the man was filled with demons. Jesus cast the demons out into the swine and they jumped off the the, the cliff there and they choked in the sea and the man was clothed sitting with his right mind. Jesus said, I want you to go home to your friends and your family and I want you to publish and tell it how great things the Lord hath done for you. And he goes into the region of Decapolis, ten cities, and he goes, listen, they had rejected the Lord. Remember when he sent the, the, the demons into the swine and the pig growers, the pig farmers got mad and said get out of here, we don't want you here we don't want you in Decapolis anymore but now he's come back where he was before rejected, that man that was in his right mind that had the demons in him has done some preaching, he's done some witnessing, he's done some testifying and now when Jesus comes into this area the Bible says crowds and multitudes are being drawn to him. If you look in Matthew 15, you don't have to turn there, but in verse number 29, it tells you how many people are beginning to gather around the Lord. May I say the Lord, with every step he took, he's headed towards this deaf man, this man that has no hearing, this man that has a speech impediment. The Lord is making a discreet movement to go right to where this man is. He's got him in his gun barrel sights. May I say tonight, amen, that Jesus has a purpose for passing the way that he does. Every step he takes is a step in the right direction, is a step for us to get help. 
The Bible says in verse 32 that they bring unto him one that was deaf. That means that he cannot hear at all. And he had an impediment in his speech. He couldn't even speak words. He slurred with his speech best he could do. Now I want you to notice that they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Now in that day and age, a man that was deaf, a man that would, would, would slur with his speech, he would be ostracized. He would be uh, probably uh, cast out of society and said that you, you have some type of a, a handicap and they look at him as a monster and this man is now uh, beyond getting normal human rights. He's declared insane. Nobody wants anything really to do with him except a few friends and now they've brought him to Jesus in front of the thousands and thousands of people that are gathered there. I want you to know that this young man has a life that's filled with a stigma. He's had a life of sadness. He's had a lifetime of rejection, living there in desperation and in despair. And his friends come and say, Jesus, will you put your hands upon our friend? We believe just the touch of your hand would be enough to make him whole. I believe this man, this deaf man, this man with a speech impediment is a picture of a lost man. I believe further, he's a picture of Israel at that point. Jesus has come to them preaching and teaching and they would not hear it. They've turned a deaf ear to Jesus' words and his teaching. In fact, Israel is God's chosen people to bear his message to the world, but Israel's not preaching the gospel message to the world. They're preaching their own religion. They've rejected Christ, and now they have a speech impediment. They have a deafness to the things of God. Here is that picture. May I say that America has turned this way as well. We have rejected the preaching of the Word of God in our pulpits and on our streets and from our churches. We have turned a deaf ear to God and now we have a speech impediment. Listen, America talk. Listen the way we act. It's a God's awful shame the way we act and do as a society in front of our little children anymore. I need a witness right there, amen. I'm just saying we have rejected the things of God. The Bible said that these days would happen. When I turn back to the book of Isaiah and chapter number 30, we see a picture here in Isaiah chapter 30. I want to look in verse number 9. Isaiah is preaching and the Lord is speaking. And you look in verse 8, it says, Now go, write it before them in a table. Note it in a book that it may be before the time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Do you see that? They will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. 
Do you see the Holy One of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, has now walked away from Jewry and he's in the region of Decapolis where the Gentiles are. And I'm telling you, you talk about racial issues in our country, you have no idea to the racial issues that were going on in their day. The Samaritans hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Jews hated the Gentiles, and the Gentiles hated the Jews and the Samaritans. I'm telling you, it was racial prejudice on each and every hand. And here, Israel has rejected their Lord. They've turned a deaf ear to Him. They have a speech impediment, much like we see today. It's a picture of a lost man, the man and his condition. It's a picture of Israel who's rejected their Lord, the man and his condition. It's a picture of America tonight, the man and his condition. Number two, when I look in the text, I see the master and his cure. Amen. Verse 33, the Bible says he took him aside from the multitude. Now just watch how the Lord connects. There's our word, connects. How he connects with this man. Here's a man with a speech impediment, a man that cannot hear, and he's just a face in a crowd out of this huge multitude. He's cast out from society. He's despised. He's rejected. And Jesus takes him privately, individually, and personally. This man has Jesus' undivided attention. Jesus' full attention is upon this man as he takes him aside from the multitude. May I say that the night I got saved, July 13th, 1978, 300 to 350 people at the Balfour Baptist Church. Brother Percy Ray preached a great message. Nobody moved. Came out of the pulpit, and I was back there in the conviction, my heart beating out of my chest. He turned around and said, there's a lad here. This is your last chance, son. I bolted out of my pew, ran down that aisle way, amen, and I fell in the middle of the aisle between the front pews. My daddy came behind me. I said, daddy, I didn't make it. I needed to be saved. I thought you had to be an older. My daddy said, son, good news. Jesus has come to you and he saved me in the middle of the aisleway at the Balfour Baptist Church. 300 to 350 people there that night. But Jesus, whoo, took me aside personally. He took me aside privately. And he took me aside individually. And he gave me his full attention. He connected with me. In that very moment. Amen. Hallelujah. Now watch not only his connection, but watch his communication. He's taking him aside privately from the multitude. And the Bible says, look with me in verse 33. He put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. Now, this is what I found out about Jesus. That he can do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. You ask him to do something, he'll do something even better. So what had these people asked Jesus to do for the man? They said, lay your hand on him. He said, I can do better than that. I can put my finger in his ear. They may say, oh, now, wait a minute, preacher Darren. That's, that's kind of gross. That's kind of insulting. But, but what he's saying is, I know what your problem is. 
your ears are stopped up, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to unstop them. So he put his fingers in his ears. Now, Jesus can do more than you ask. He can do more than you think. They said, we just want you to put your hand on him. So he put his fingers in his ear, and then he, listen to this, pulls his finger out of his ears, spits probably on his hand, and says, open your mouth, and rubs his spit on that man's tongue. Preacher Darren, he did Come here, I want to show you how he did it. Preacher, that's gross. I mean, you're talking about that today we've got this uh, COVID and coronavirus, right? We've got these flus going on. That's just gross. Now, to think about it, Preacher Darren, if you share your saliva, you're going to be sharing disease with somebody else. Honey, what do you think? Jesus, he don't have no diseases. In, in fact, last time I checked, you know how they get your DNA? They get it out of your saliva. They'll say, hawk one up. They'll take it and check your, your DNA, who you are, your chromosomes, who your daddy is, who you are, who your mom is, all these things they know about you. Jesus just put the DNA of God in that boy's mouth. Amen. That's pretty good, amen. Not only, hell, I might run right there. Not only is he not diseased, amen, but he has just given him the full effect of creator God. He said, I'm the one made your ears. I'm the one made your mouth. Let me put my DNA on it and things are going to work perfectly. You know what we need in our churches? We need him to put his finger in our ears and his DNA on our tongues, amen. We need our ears open so we can hear what he's got to say. And we need our tongues loose so we can prophesy and preach and witness and testify. It's amazing how we get out to share what the Lord's done and we get a speech impediment. We get bound up. It's like our tongue has been chained. But the Lord said, son, I don't want you to be bound up anymore. I don't want you to be chained up. I want you to be set free. Hallelujah to God. Do you see his communication? Well, Preacher Darren, what do you mean his communication? Did I tell you? The man couldn't hear. So when Jesus lifted it, talked to him, he couldn't hear him. So Jesus has got a way of communicating to you when you won't listen to him. He just put his fingers in your ears. Amen. And he just rub his DNA of his saliva, his spit, amen, on your tongue. That's how he communicated to this man. And guess what? That man understood perfectly for the first time what Jesus thought about that man's condition. I want you to see next of all his consecration. Look with me in verse 34. My Bible says, and looking up to heaven. Now what did the Lord look to heaven for? It's what he said. Now that man's looking at him. He's saying, son, I want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to know, son, I have put my fingers in your ears. I put my spit, my DNA on your tongue. And I want to look up and I want to tell you where the healing, where the cure, where the answer, where the remedy comes from. It comes from the throne that's in heaven. Amen. This is by the power of God. And when you get healing, you make sure that you know it's for the glory of God. 
Some of us ought to do some more heaven looking. I remember one time I was preaching in Saluda. Been preaching every Saturday night for a year and a half down there. Man, we had big crowds, two and seven. I mean, I'd go every Saturday night and preach to a crowd like that. One time I was coming through Saluda. There's a man standing there. His name was Uncle Simp Thompson. I got out. I was a little early for church. I got out. I said, Uncle Simp, what you looking at? He said, I was just studying, young man. Wouldn't this be a good day for the Lord to come back? I say, Amen. When's the last time to when's the last time in the last two weeks you seen somebody out standing in the yard saying, Boy, wouldn't this be a good day for Jesus to come? They're just looking for him to come back. No, we don't look anymore. We're too busy. We talk about him coming back, but we ain't looking for him to come back. Amen. The Lord looks up to heaven and he's given glory to God the Father. He, he oh glory. Look, look at his compassion. Look what he does. He looked up to heaven. My Bible says that he sighed. Although no man could really hear it, the sigh of a Savior is an inward groan. It indicates his strong emotion. It indicates his sympathy. It indicates his deep compassion. Underline that he sighed. This is what he's saying. Your sorrows are going to become my sorrows. I'm going to take your deafness and your muteness and I'm going to take it upon myself and set you free. Y'all get a little bit quiet when I say it, but let me say it like this. This is a picture that he's saying, one day I'm going to take your sins, all of them, upon myself and I'm going to set you free, amen. And having taken sin upon himself, he died in our place, was buried and praise God, on the first day, raised back up again, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, Satan and sin, amen. And now we've been set free to serve the master. He's saying, young man, I'm taking your sorrow, your problems upon myself. And when Jesus takes your problems upon himself, how many of y'all know Jesus don't have no problems? <laughs> amen. He sighed. He said, I'm taking your issues Upon myself, I feel for you, I empathize, I sympathize for your disease, for your rejection, but I'm taking it from you, and I'm going to receive it to myself, and guess what? That, that, bad, that bound tongue, those deaf ears were no match for the power of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, he saith unto him, Ephetha, that is, be open. Now, the word of God, he just spoke. Jesus is God, right? So when Jesus spoke, God spoke. He said, one word, Ephetha, be open, right? It's Aramaic. When he spoke that, those are words from creator God. Just saying, one time, let there be light. Boom! And there was light. <laughs> When there was complete darkness, he ushered in the light, amen. One word from Jesus is more than enough to get the job done. Fingers in the ear, spit on your tongue, amen. He sighed and said, Ephetha, be open. Well, hallelujah to God. Immediately, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
verse 35, straightway. What does that mean? Immediately. Straightway. His ears were open. You know what he heard? He heard the Lord speaking to him. And the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. He didn't have to go to speech therapy. He didn't have to have hooked on phonics. He just began to speak to the Lord immediately. You know, that's what happened when I got saved. He took upon himself my sins. He took them from me, amen. He set me free. After I got saved for the first time, I could really hear him speak. It's a mind just repetitive tonight. It's amazing when you hear a preacher preach or read the word of God, how he'll speak to you. And you hear it, not with your physical ears, but with your spiritual ears. How many of you know that every miracle Jesus did proves, authenticates he's the Son of God? Every miracle that he did physically, he can do even greater spiritually. It is always physically a picture of what he's done spiritually. What he's saying is, there's coming a day that I'm going to speak to Israel, and they're going to turn back to me. Amen. Oh, yes. Preacher Dan, how do you know? Because he did it for me. Can I get a witness? Has he done it for you? Well, Preacher Dan, I've not been hearing him too well lately. Let him put his finger in your ear. You don't need a Q-tip, amen. You need the touch of Jesus Christ, amen. Preacher, I'm struggling to talk right and to witness and testify. Let him set your tongue free. Don't let it be bound and chained up any longer, amen. The word loose means that the chains that bound his tongue, fell off. And you know what he did? He praised the Lord. I, I wanted to sing Amazing Grace tonight, but I thought I'd sing Victory in Jesus just because this man got victory in Jesus. But had we sung Amazing Grace, you remember how the song goes, I once was blind, but now I see. I wonder if this man said, I once was deaf, but now I hear. I once was mute, but now I speak. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen. Woo! Praise be the Lord. We talked about this man being a picture of a sinner. We talked about this man being a picture of Israel out of this very chapter. This man being a picture of America, where we are tonight. Let's go back to Isaiah again. We were in chapter 30, was it? Chapter 30. Chapter 30. Now let's look at verse 30 in that chapter. Isaiah 30, verse 30. We'll read a little bit more. I like what this says. I hope you found it. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. <laughs> you see it? Isaiah 30, 30. He'll cause his glorious voice to be heard. I'm glad, aren't you? I heard his sweet voice. Then I think about chapter 35, chapter 35 of the book of Isaiah. Look with me here at uh, the end of verse number 4. I just want to read a little phrase there after that semicolon. <laughs> See if this will stir you up on a Wednesday night. Isaiah 35, verse 4. He will come and save you. Amen. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf 
shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. <laughs> For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. There's just something about the kingdom of Jesus Christ, amen. After you get saved, amen, he'll cause the blind man to see, amen. He'll cause the deaf man to hear, and he'll cause the mute man to sing. <laughs> amen. What about that? Hallelujah. Now go back to our text. We've got a few more verses in this chapter, but let's close it with a third point. We see the multitude and their confession. The multitude and their confession. Now we said in verse 35 that he got a master's cure. But verse 36 says, he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal, they published it. Words of confession. He charged them, don't go tell anybody. They started telling, he said, listen, I'm telling you, don't tell other people. Wait a minute, Preacher Dan, I'm excited. The Lord's done something for me. Why can't I tell him? Now, this is before he died on the cross. Am I correct? And what he's saying is, I didn't come here for a healing ministry. I'm not carrying around a tent crusade and have a physical healing ministry. That's not why I came. I could have sat on the throne in heaven and done that. The reason I came, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What he's saying is I come to take not just your physical maladies away. I come to save your soul. I come to take your sin. Your greatest need was forgiveness. I came to take your sin upon myself and grow to the cross, amen, and shed my blood and wash all your sins away. Amen. So what he's saying is don't go tell. Everybody about this physical healing because it attracts the crowd for the wrong reason. I want to save souls. That's the right reason. And the more he told them, don't tell him, the more they did. Isn't that something? Now, now my Bible tells us that we're, we are told, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. He told us to go tell. But the more he tells us to go tell, the less we do. What, preacher Dan? Say that again. He told them, don't tell him. And the more he told them not to tell him, the more they told him. He tells us to go tell him. And the more he tells us to go tell him, the less we do. Preacher, we're not like that. Really? He'll put a sign out there and say, please stay off the grass. I promise you, you'll see somebody. Step in the grass just to say, I did it because the rules don't apply to me. And step right away. Tell me I'm wrong. It's amazing the society that we live in now. Look what they said, verse 37. They were beyond measure astonished, saying, 
He hath done all things well. <laughs> I look at my life. There are things tonight that I've looked back on that I've been through that I still can't understand. How this happened and really why it happened, when it happened. But from where I'm standing tonight, when I look back, I'll just have to stand up and testify to one thing. I don't know why, I don't know how come, but I know this, he's done all things well. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Woo, about to get tore up. He's never failed me, and he never will. Every time I've asked him for strength to overcome, he's always supplied it. Every time I've come to him with my problems, my brokenness, my weakness, and said, oh God, will you help me? Every time, youngest, he's come through for me. There's never been a storm he's not been there with me for, amen. Woo! He has done all things well. He saved my wife. He saved my children. He's blessed me beyond measure. He has done all things well. He maketh, look what it says, he maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. The multitudes start glorifying God on this behalf. And I want to say this tonight and I'll be, I'll be done. I was praying and the Lord said, every step I make, I make for a purpose. And it's always a step in the right direction. And he's stepping your way. Woo! He's stepping our way. Amen. He stepped beyond the bounds of Judaism and religion. He stepped beyond the bounds of human reasoning and intellect. He stepped beyond the bounds and came to you and me and saved us, just a bunch of worthless Gentile dogs. And he left the bounds of what religion said he could do and found just you that you might be saved. And tonight, honey, cha-ching, cha-ching, he knows about your trouble. He knows about your problems. He knows about your storm. He knows what you're going through. And he's made steps in the right direction, your way, that you might get help. And that you might get relief. Honey, he's interested in Oh, what a Savior, amen. <laughs> Here's a sinner that went from desolation to redemption. My mind goes back. I was asked to preach revival meeting in an inner city church. A very large church filled with some People that had a lot of issues in that inner city church. I'm talking about, first of all, they had needs galore. I have never seen a church with that many needs in it, personally. They said, Preacher Darren, look at Bethel. We're pretty needy people. We got a lot of problems. We got a lot of issues. We got a lot of prayer requests. I've never seen a church, I'm telling you, just outside the church, drug deals, 
guns blazing, fireworks going off. It was a scary scene to walk in there Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. It was scary. You didn't know she was, my wife, when she kissed me by, she didn't know if she wasn't really kissing me by. She didn't know I'd make it back. It was a scary place. These people had gone to church there for years. Inner city church had all kind of problems in the community, all kind of problems and needs within the church. On Thursday night, I believe it was, I was preaching. Preaching about a deaf man. And how the Lord healed him. And right while I was preaching, the train come by through the city. And usually when the train comes by, it came by every night. You just have to stop preaching till it finished and you go to preaching again. Stop right there. Where I used to pastor, there was a train track come up the old highway there. And it run that salute of grace. And that train would come by, and it would always just up there search. I'd have to stop. And then all of a sudden, I started noticing when that train come by, something significant had always happened in the service or was happening. The train would blow the whistle. It's going across the road. But every time it did, people were getting saved. People were standing, and it became a sign of something great that God was doing. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. I preach it, not that kind of train. I got it. But I'm telling you, down there on the railroad tracks up beside our church, every time it come by, something major was going on. Here I am in that inner city church. It's come by every single night. But I was so jumpy. And so anxious that I often didn't pay attention to what God was really doing every single night. On Thursday night, I'm preaching about the deaf man. And the train rolls through. The lights are kind of flickering. I stood there for a second. And a man in the center section jumped up and he said, Hallelujah! 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 Pastor! Pastor! I said, Yes, sir. He said, I can hear you! For the first time, I said, what? The people started shouting. They were jumping. I think they'd have jumped stumps. That place, they were going completely crazy. He had been coming to church for years and couldn't hear. He was a lip reader. He had said to me earlier, he said, you open your mouth nice and wide. Maria Podbreski said the same thing to me one time. You open your mouth nice and wide, and I can hear with the way you talk because I'm a lip reader. But when the train come by, God opened his hearing. Preaching. I don't know, John. I cannot explain. Just, I don't have no idea. I'm just going to tell you this. He said he could make the deaf hear. He said he could call the dumb to speak. Here I am. <laughs> Amen. There's nothing tonight my God cannot do. And I'm telling you, that inner city church, honey, the glory of God, the train coming running by. Amen. And we didn't just see the physical train, but the glory of God. We got in the glory patch that night. Amen. Well, I'm done preaching. I just want to say this. 
young as that night when I left that church, you know what I can tell you? He has done all things well. <laughs> He'll not fail you. He'll not run out on you. He fits in every single situation. That's permission. Now let me add a little postscript to it because the Holy Ghost said I could. I don't know if he'll put this on recording or not, but here we go. We were going to have the Christmas play. And on Wednesday night, we put the set up. And the place, the walls was up. Y'all know how we do. The walls was up and all the men had left, all the helpers. I was going to lock up the church and shut it down. I bowed down to pray, God bless what's going to take place on this stage. Because we're going to present this man, Jesus. And that's when it happened. There was a knock. Came to this door. I thought, oh, one of our men must forgot a hammer or something. I said, hey. I didn't recognize the dude. He said, my car ran out of gas right down here at your sign. And I need gas. I said, great, man. Right across the road is a, is a, a gas station. Am I, am I right? He said, I don't run on that kind of gas. He said, I have a Suzuki Samurai, and I converted it to propane. Where do I get propane? At 10 o'clock at night, 9.30. I don't know. I said, friend, I don't know. He said, well, I got a bottle of propane in the car. I said, well, problem solved. Why are you knocking on the door? He said, but it needs a special fitting. I don't know where the fittings are at. i got to find a special fitting for this gas bottle. I said, maybe they'll have one at Walmart. So I said, get in the car. And I took this guy, whoever he was, to Walmart. And all the way there, I talked to him about how smart he must have been because he single-handedly converted his gasoline engine to propane by himself, not the manufacturer. We got to Walmart and I found the fitting we were looking for for that bottle of propane. We purchased it on the way back. Now he's talked to me the whole way about all he's done. As we're coming back, I start telling him about Jesus and how Jesus is the greatest person I've ever met and how he's changed my whole world. We got about right down here in the straightaway and he said, I don't know so much about Jesus. He said, I know you're a preacher and you have to and all that stuff because I pay you. But I'm going to tell you that my daddy is an infidel. And my mother used to go to church, but my daddy would beat her so that he wouldn't let her go anymore. And my mother has cancer. She's laying in a Nashville hospital dying of cancer right now. And I said, why are you here? He said, my girlfriend of all these years, who's going to get married, has run out on me. Everybody in my life is leaving me. Everybody's forsaken me. Nothing fits in my life. My life is misery. And where am I even at, sir? I said, we're in Spruce Pine, North Carolina. He said, I'm where? Spruce Pine, North Carolina. Never heard of it. Well, welcome. It's good to have you, son. We sat right out here. And I said, let me tell you about this Jesus I was talking to you about. He'll never run out on you like your girlfriend. He will never forsake you. He can overcome cancer. He can overcome the hatred that your daddy feels for you. 
He'll be there for you as a friend, sticketh closer than any brother. He'll be there for you. He's done all things well for you. I said, would you like to meet Jesus? He said, do you think he'd say the lot to me? He said, listen, I've been a drunkard. I peddled dope and took it. I said, let's go in there and order and find out. Jesus said, come, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins shall be as scarlet, though they be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. We come back in the door. He knocked on. I cut the lights on. We bowed down right here. He reached in his pocket and he pulled out a pistol. He laid it down on the altar. I thought, woo He could have robbed me, killed me, stole my car. He could have done anything to your pastor that night. And I just looked, and I prayed with one eye open and one eye shut. And I kept my eye on that pistol the whole time. But I started leading him in a prayer, and he took off with it, and he started begging God to forgive him and to save his soul. And when it was over, this big old boy is weeping and crying, and he backed away like this, and he said, Oh, preacher, I feel so much better. I don't even know what I've done, but I feel so much better. I think he's like what you said saved me. I said, I know he did. He said, I got peace about things. He said, I don't know about hugging men, but could I hug you? He hugged me, slung me around like this. I let him back on my feet. I took a lap to the church. You know me. I took off running. I come back. I said, you know what you need to do? You need to call your mama. He said, my, that's another thing. My cell phone's dead. I reached in my pocket. It's dead. I reached in my pocket. I said, here's mine. I don't know your mama's number, but call her. She was at Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. He put her on speaker. He said, Mom. She said, oh, boy, where are you? I've been, oh, boy, where are you? He said, preacher, where am I at? Spruce Pie, North Carolina. He said, I'm in Spruce Pie, North Carolina. She said, where is that? He said, Mama, my car's run out of gas. My phone is dead. I've come to this church and run to a Baptist preacher. And Mama, to make a long story short, Jesus has just saved me. And she lost it. She lost it. And she said, honey, I'm going to heaven one of these days. And it's going to happen real soon. And now me and you are going to be together. Because of Jesus. May I just say this? He's done all things well. Just when you think your phone's died and your gas has run out of your car and your girlfriend's run off and left you and your mama's got cancer and your daddy can't stand you, honey, you're going to find out that Jesus has done all things well. There's not one thing happening in your life that he's not in control of and that he and you can't handle together. Preacher, why did you tell that? Because God told me to. And I heard him. You stand to your feet tonight. I know we're light on the crowd. But I'm telling you, as God is my witness, say somebody needs to come to this altar right now. God has spoke to your heart. He's trying to encourage you. He's trying to give you faith. He's trying to speak to your heart and tell you, I can handle this problem. I can handle your condition. You know what's going on and it hurts so bad, but he gives give you peace when there ain't no peace. Come on right now. Miss Beverly, would you play? Come on right now. Somebody needs to come. 
I'm certain of it. Hallelujah. Well, preacher, I don't want it because I'm mad at God. Honey, it won't last long because you're going to be so miserable. You're going to need his help in a major way. You mind him? Our Father and our God, as you usher us into the throne room, we bow before you to say, you've done all things well. Lord, we've had doubts. We've had fears. We've had problems. We've had troubles. We've had insufficiencies. God, there's been darkness. There's been gloom. There's been sickness. There's been death. God, there's been unexplainable things. God, that has defeated us and pulled us so low. But tonight, God, when I look at it all, even in my lowest moment, there you were. Woo! And underneath was the everlasting arms of Jesus. And you've done all things well. You've lifted. You've carried. Lord, you've spared us. You've supplied us. God, there's not one thing tonight that you, we lack. You've given us everything we need. Lord, I love you. May you bless these folk tonight that have hit this old-fashioned altar. God, that have come to say, Lord, I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know when. I'm going to say this, Lord. You've done all things well, and I'm going to praise you. Would you loose my tongue? Would you stick your finger in my ear and open my spiritual ear that I may hear what the Spirit says to the church? Thank you, God, for your precious word. Woo! In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.